Welcome back, Coffee and Combo listeners. I hope this episode finds you well. It's your host, Liz Bullard. For those who are new to the combos, thank you for tuning in. This episode, I'm joined by my oldest friend, Alexis. She is an attorney, um, and we are discussing um, a topic that I've heard um, and had uh, over the course of social media, and it's having a difference of opinion. And it's a topic that I struggled with because in thinking about racial um, inequality and thinking about... um, different things as what's going on, whether it's should you wear a mask, should you not wear a mask, Um, is it, you know, what is right, what is wrong. Um, A lot of times I'm hearing that people feel that they can't have a difference of opinion. And I struggle with that because there's some things that I feel very passionately about that are a definite right in my book. And I'm sure that other people feel that way. And so I talk with my friend and she helps me kind of process this and process, are these just difference of opinion or is there a definitive right in some of these areas? And so um, grab a snack, settle in and listen in and um, use this episode as a point to challenge yourself, um, especially when you're having combos with people to see, is this something that we can agree to disagree on or is this something that is a non-negotiable? And so through this episode, we kind of identify some things for us that are like non-negotiable that we do not accept are a difference of opinion. And so thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this episode. Find Coffee and Convos on Instagram and Facebook. And thank you guys for liking, sharing, um, and tuning in every week. Um, continue to be safe and be well and enjoy the episode. Coffee and Combos. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. So um, for those of you listening, I am joined by, um, I believe you're my oldest friend. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, you are like the longest friend I've had since what, middle school? Yeah, I want to say like the seventh grade. We've known yeah. since we were 12. Yeah. And so this is Alexis Carr. Do you go by Attorney Carr or Attorney Lexis when you work? I go by Alexis. I don't go oh. by Attorney anything. <laughs> and as you, you've known me way longer than that. I just go by <laughs> Alexis. So I am joined by my dear friend Alexis, and I am so happy to have you. Um, I'll give you just a little background. Um, so. In between everything that's been going on with racial injustice, um, COVID, um, getting ready for the the, the political season, um, I've been seeing a lot of different things on Facebook, Instagram, just social media. And um, I had seen something about, um, it was a post, I guess it was about free speech or having a difference of opinion and it talked about how we're forced to apologize we're controlled by the media um it only took four months for um in other words for america to to change or lose its way and so i was thinking about this idea of free speech and um a difference of opinion rather and it just made me have all these questions. And so I wanted to really talk about that and talk about this concept of a difference of opinion. And is that where we are right now? Just people having a difference of opinion. Is there this concept of right and wrong? And so um, as we go through, I hope that we're able to answer some of these questions. All right. Um, mm-hmm. I said, all right, sounds good. All right. But before we get into that, um, I always like to start off with um, our coffee and combo question, which is, are you a tea person or a coffee person? Okay, let's be honest. For as long as you've known me, I've been a tea person. For as long <laughs> as you've known me, and even when people had lattes, I got green tea lattes. Like I never drank coffee. If I drink coffee, something mm-hmm. terrible is happening. Something <laughs> went wrong that day. I woke up badly. I slept 
crazily. My neighbors were arguing. Like, nothing went good that day if I had to wake up in the morning and be like, I need coffee. Because I always drink tea. I drink tea, like, I drink tea when I had to take the bar exam to become an attorney. Like, I drink tea all the time. I can't do, I and like, now that I've been in quarantine, quarantine, I haven't drank tea as much, but I'm not going to drink coffee. Like, that's not an option. I feel like that's so you, though. Instead of kind of, like, going by what status quo, like, okay, we need our coffee in the morning and this and that, you're just like, no, nope, I'm just going to, like, be chill and just go with my own flow and just have a coffee, a, a, a latte, but a tea latte. Exactly. Exactly. There's no reason to... If you're drinking coffee, in my opinion, something terrible has happened to you like why do you drink something made with beans that's rough that's <laughs> your teeth so badly that you like need to go to the dentist to get it whitened like just drink a green tea something light something that's gonna make you feel energized but not gonna not gonna make you feel skittish that's just <laughs> and also too i'm afraid of all the coffee addicts out there i pray for them but i'm afraid for them also all- I, I won't let the coffee addicts come for you. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you a question. Um, out there in Chicago, where you are, how are things as far as the racial tension? What are things that you're seeing? So I'll just say, I know I can't really talk about my job on here, because it's mm-hmm. public, but um, I'm a government employee. Um, so I work for the government here. So my perspective might be a little different. Mm-hmm. racial tensions in Chicago historically speaking are bad right mm-hmm. just historically speaking like redlining became popular because of Chicago um, Chicago has a really just bad history with all type of racial issues including prisons um, race relations with police um, Laquan McDonald was huge here 16 shots with police officer who was sentenced for his crime, um, the whole thing with just even black women, literally, R. Kelly is from Chicago, so we have issues with black women and black men. Mm-hmm. So race relations here have always been poor. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about a city that's probably the most segregated city in the country, because Chicago is the third largest city in the in the country, it's probably Chicago. Mm-hmm. rich white people and rich black people and rich Hispanic people don't even live in the same neighborhoods here. They really? Don't live the same, yeah, really. They don't live in the same suburbs here. They're so segregated. So when you talk about issues of race here, it is almost like a mini microcosm of the United States because we have so many types of people here. Mm. there's Irish people here, there's KKK member people here, there's neighborhoods that are sundown towns, like black people can't go to those neighborhoods at night. Wow. Um, and that's all in the Chicagoland area, not necessarily in the city, but mm-hmm. within like the radius of Chicago or within the county of Cook or Cook County, the place where sh- the county Chicago is in. Mm-hmm. And so being mindful of that, to answer your question without being too long-winded race relations here are just as just as bad (laughs) as they were probably in the 90s Mm. with covid on top of it Mm. because it's just you know there are people who are trying to move out of their neighborhoods like i live actually in a a majority white neighborhood in chicago Mm -hmm. but the majority black neighborhoods are pretty bad and from what i hear police relations with those people are really bad and it doesn't matter if those police officers are black or white and i think like when there's that much tension it makes some of these issues um very difficult um because it's like you're not only come it it becomes more of in my opinion a difference of opinion because there's so much racial tension there's so much hurt that when two sides are trying to share an opinion or a thought um it just becomes very um contentious yeah and i think that um like here in waterbury we're starting to have some issues with the columbus statue 
And while some might argue you could have a difference of opinion here or there, and at a later episode, we'll get into the Columbus statue. But um, when you have such tensions and such historical um, racism and trauma, it makes having that conversation much more difficult, especially when you don't have each person that is participating being sensitive to um, the traumas and the pain that is associated with both sides. Yeah, that's true. And I want to be like really clear too. like Chicago is a democratic city. We have the first um, the mayor of Chicago is the first black lesbian Mm -hmm. mayor. Really? Major city. Yeah. Lori Lightfoot is a black lesbian with a white partner and a black daughter. And the police chief here is a black man. Uh, They call it a superintendent here, but he's a black man. Mm-hmm. And the head of the state's attorney's office who prosecutes other crimes in the city of Chicago is a black woman. And the uh, county president is also a black woman. So when you see all of those things in play mm-hmm. and race relations are still pretty bad here. Mm. So I don't want to, I don't want people to believe that like having black people at the forefront of everything because the the things that I named the mayor, the police chief, the prosecutor are all Democrats and they're all black, but that doesn't like fix race relations overnight. Like it just doesn't happen that way. And so I think a lot of people have this like belief system Mm -hmm. that like, if we get rid of all the white people, like the problems will go away. Mm. Or if we like the, was it the eight can't wait campaign? Mm -hmm. Chicago has six of the eight. And And can you explain a little bit what that is? Um, so eight can't, the eight can't wait campaign was created by campaign zero, which is a group of, um, pros, uh, well, organizers originally that came out of Ferguson. So, Mm -hmm. um, DeRay and Netta who put together uh, through Campaign Zero, eight different initiatives that um, are meant to create uh, accountability, transparency um, between uh, communities of color and disenfranchised mm-hmm. communities and police. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you go to the site, website is campaignzero.com, I believe, and go into the eight can't wait, you can actually type in your city and see how many of the eight they have. Mm -hmm. Um, The city of Chicago has six of the eight. So the city of Chicago has guidelines for chokeholds. The city of Chicago has um, a citizens review board, which is called COPA here. Mm -hmm. Um, The city of Chicago has uh, independent... um, review of police conduct through federal monitors um, and the city of Chicago has had that for years. So they have all of these initiatives probably in place but we still have police brutality here. We still have cases which um, I'll say my colleagues because my colleagues include the totality of um, attorneys who work in government. They Mm -hmm. actually have to defend these police officers which I mean if we want to talk about the dichotomy of black women and men defending white cops who mm. not at black women and men we could have a conversation about that probably girl another. that's a whole episode by so <laughs> we're gonna have to have you come back and talk about that um we have issues like that and so that can't that i just think and this is just my personal belief i think that the only way we can we can actually fix this stuff is to defund police and then redistribute their funding into other areas. That's just my personal belief. That is not the belief of all attorneys who work in government. Mm -hmm. That's my personal belief. And so... And just a little side note, like, these are just all opinions. You know what I mean? Like, this is, like, no one on cop... Well, I don't know. I haven't had an expert anywhere on coffee and cobbles yet. But these are just opinions on um, what you think of the topic. And so that's always good to hear... Um, because I think in having conversations, people bring up things that um, and ideas from their perspective and their life experience that we may or may not have heard before. Yeah. So I just but I want to be clear because mm-hmm. if somebody goes, well, 
I heard Alexis on Coffee and Combos, and she's a government attorney in Chicago. And I spoke to another government attorney in Chicago, and I just want to like take her opinion and use it as my own. Like, don't do that. <laughs> do your own research. Exactly. Like, and then also to also understand that the budgets of police officers and mm-hmm. the places where you live. Mm-hmm. So the police budget in the Chicago in Chicago. For the city of uh, Chicago, so each the police budget is roped into the mate into the city's budget. So it's not its own separate line item from the government. It's just roped into the city's budget, and I believe it's one third of the city's budget here in Chicago, which is mm-hmm. something like one point three billion dollars. So mm-hmm. you hear that number, you're like, wait, one point three billion dollars of a city's budget mm-hmm. is going to police. So then you have to wonder what is happening to those two thirds. So that two, those two thirds are split between, between homeless services, mental health services, children and family services, schooling, mm-hmm. feeding for homeless people, housing for homeless people, um, initiatives for youth, jobs for youth, um, parks and sanitation, um, construction. So it's like, one third of the city's budget is going to police, but infrastructures that make sure people don't have to be policed are not being funded. And so that's why I really do believe that defunding and redistribution of police's income from major cities need to be moved in that direction. Because how can we say we care about communities of color, minority communities, black communities, trans communities, but we don't distribute money that shows us we care about those communities. Absolutely. And and to piggyback off of that, um, I think it's really difficult because there's a lot of issues out there that have strong opinions. So like one thing you mentioned was defunding the police. If we, and you then COVID, um, should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? There's all these issues and people, it seems like there's no gray area. It's like people are either here or they're there. And in thinking about coming together and instead of being such a separatist type of society, how do we respect or honor both sides? Do you think that in some issues that there is a definite right, definite wrong? What would your take and your opinion be on that? Okay, so there's just some foundational things that we have to get right here. Mm. So you're not going to have a debate about whether I'm human. There has been a lot of debates about whether Black people are deserving of police to treat them in a certain way. Mm. Whether Black people deserve police to um, treat them in the same ways that they treat white people. Those debates, in my opinion, are debates about whether I'm human. Debates about if a black person, because I'm a black woman mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm a cisgender straight black woman. Those are my intersectionalities, if we if if I'm gonna just use the term real quick. Mm-hmm. So I can't leave any parts of myself at home. I'm not going to, you know, give them my attorney badge card or give them my attorney license card and be able to say I'm an attorney first. No, when you see me on the street, you see a black woman first. That's what you see walking down the street. And so when people try to debate our humanities, that's when I'm like, full stop. There's no reason to talk about this. And I saw a lot of debates about that. Yes. Between, between white people where liberals were like, black people deserve to live. Like why we have never we have never had a debate on whether white people deserve to live like a debate <laughs> on whether they deserve to have like just food. So I'm gonna interject there because I'm glad you said it because I was thinking that right and so part of these combos is like I need to process my own thinking because I've seen things and heard things that I'm like there's no way we're really talking about this there's no way that this is the reality that we live in because I was feeling like the debate that we're having is 
who gets to have human rights and who doesn't. That's what I hear when we're talking about black lives versus all lives. And so when I thought about this concept of, is it just a difference of opinion? I was like, well, maybe I'm hearing the issue wrong and maybe this is just a difference of opinion. But no, I, I agree that at that it, it is a pause. You're deciding whether, and then there's that conversation of, well, this person was a criminal. So then a criminal has the right to be harmed while in police custody. You know what I mean? So I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and I'm glad that you had brought that to the surface. Yeah, I mean, I think what a lot of people don't realize, and prior to my, prior to the job that I'm currently in, mm-hmm. I worked as a government attorney um, in legislation. So I did a lot of legislative issues as well. And so I've basically my total career, I've been a government attorney and been doing public service and nonprofit work. Um, and so... I just think that debates about whether a person is worthy of life are very odd to me because at the end of the day, like there, the, what people don't realize is police, police having guns. It's for the purpose of their protection when someone shoots at them. So I've been doing like constitutional law for a little bit of time Mm -hmm. for maybe, I want to say I've been dabbling in constitutional law since 2018 it's now 2020 Mm -hmm. um and so what a lot of people don't understand is like there is this this idea of like levels of force Mm -hmm. that like levels of force that can be used and there are rubrics and guidelines created Mm -hmm. by experts that tell police officers and members of the correctional community because a lot of people kind of leave them out of the conversation but Mm -hmm. when they when they can use force and how much force they can use and usually force has to be equal so somebody pushes you as a police officer you're not supposed to shoot them that's not Mm -hmm. lethal force why are you using lethal force but non-lethal force and Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand the idea of like equal force or like or 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 uh, parallels with mm-hmm. force, like it has to be, it has to have like, um, uh, like symmetry between. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's like one of the major issues is like people will be like, he took a taser, so they get to shoot him. Like it was, he took a taser. He didn't shoot. He didn't shoot a gun. Mm-hmm. He didn't hold a gun. He took a taser. A taser is non-lethal force that police use to apprehend suspects. Like, like if the police didn't want to be tased, mm-hmm. you had another person with, your buddy has a taser, tase him first. Like, yeah. And I'm glad you just brought that up because I, a lot of what you're talking about is um, the importance of the language that we use when we're, we're talking about whether it's race or politics. Because again, these are issues where people are on, two sets of the line here, for or against, right? And I think language is important because we we say, well, the officer was in danger or this person was in danger, so they were justified. But I think the language and how these policies are written is very important to discuss because it, it has to match. Yes, you might have feared that your life was in danger, but it does that force match Um, the energy of the opposite side. And I think that is uh, an important part of the conversation that isn't being had. Um, Even when kind of transitioning into the politics, as you mentioned, constitutional law and stuff like that, Um, because another thing that, um, or another subject where people are talking about difference of opinion is um, the upcoming election. And another thing I have seen is, well, like, if you want to vote for this, this person, then fine. If you want to vote for that person, fine. It's just a difference of opinion. We shouldn't fall out. And I think the issue, at least for me, is kind of going back to what we said about when we start arguing about human rights, that needs to be a pause. Some of the things that have come out of our current president's mouth um, have been hurtful, untrue, Um, and igniting of um, racial tension and all these other things. And so I think that people need to understand is, yes, you have a right to vote for whoever you choose to, whoever's going to get you the best opportunity to get your needs met. 
Um, however, when you're supporting a candidate, you're supporting their actions and things they've said. And so I think that's, for me, where the issue of a difference of opinion comes in. So I just wanted to see, like, what is your take, your opinion on when people might bring up, um, it's just a difference of opinion when we're talking about the current um, presidential election? Okay, so... I know that was a hard one, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is, because both of these guys, uh, the um, apparent... Democratic no nominee because he's not officially the Democratic nominee because the Democrat the DNC hasn't had the convention yet. Mm -hmm. um, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. So which I'm just gonna use their names. I'm not mm -hmm. afraid of them. What they gonna do to me? What they gonna do? I'm just joking. <laughs> they could do something to me. But at the end of the day, I'm not afraid to use their names. Um, so there's issues with both of them. Mm -hmm. literally issues like straight up issues before before I even get into like what their politics are per se but there's both mm -hmm. issues both of them have been accused of rape mm -hmm. um one of them put a printout in a New York Times ad calling for the killing of black men and then one of them put a crime bill together that actually imprisoned black men mm -hmm. um <laughs> girl I can't <laughs> like literally one of them currently put terrible people on the bench and another one helped to put people who were terrible on the bench. Some people forget that like Joe Biden was the head of the judicial committee in the Senate that pushed Republican presidents nominees to the bench mm -hmm. who are currently on the bench like all of us talk real high key in the legal community, high key mm -hmm. trash about mm -hmm. Clarence Thomas. Clarence mm -hmm. Thomas is a black Supreme Court justice, but he is wretched, okay? <laughs> real terrible. Joe Biden put him on the bench, right? Mm -hmm. He put him on the bench. He was confirmed under Joe Biden. So like both of these guys historically have issues. Mm. So even before we get into stuff, and I know I'm like, you know, I hope the people will be like, wait, Joe Biden's terrible too? Yeah, girl, he be doing terrible things too, boo. Terrible. His, like long, long sheet of terrible. Um, but then we have to get into like the politics of stuff. Mm. And so when we get into the politics of stuff, like Donald Trump has done terrible things politically. Joe Biden has done terrible things politically. Only one of them has made amends. Mm. Only one of them has apologized. Mm. Only one of them have gone to communities and created policies based upon those communities. Only one of them has a black agenda. And so we have to ask ourselves, yes, both of them have done terrible things. Yes, all of these things. But only Joe Biden has at least attempted to make amends. Has he done it right all the time? No. He has done it terribly. He does a, he's done a poor job. He's also a man in his 70s, okay? So... Which, I, they, which they both have. Because I've also, like, seen, like, well, he's old. Well, like, they're both old. So I don't understand. Again, like, we can have a difference of opinion, but you keep saying the same thing about Biden that you're saying, but it's okay for one, but not okay for the other. Yeah, that's always weird for me. Um, when when people have this weird thing that they talk about, like, oh, Biden is terrible. And I mean, like, okay, you want to say Biden is terrible, fine, whatever. Like, you know, that may be true. But this is not a this is not about simply like a difference of opinion. This is people's survival. This is people's like literal survival. Like Donald Trump took away trans people's rights to be treated fairly in healthcare. Like there is a reason why we attack the people on who have intersectionalities mm -hmm. that make them literally the you know the most disadvantaged group. Mm -hmm. He has made it so that immigrants, which mm -hmm. a lot of people forget, black people are Latin Latin Latinx as well. Let's, mm -hmm. I'm gonna just put that out there. Like Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Ecuadorians, Nicaraguans, 
there's black people in those groups. I'm going to say that real quick because a lot of black people want to say immigration issues aren't our issues. Meanwhile, because you do have, have Afro Latinx. Exactly. Um, he, he cuts at Latinx people. He cuts at trans people. He cuts at black people. He cuts at disabled people. And so when you have people who sit at all those intersectionalities, like I follow women on Twitter who are black, queer, trans, and they are getting harms in all these different ways. Mm. And when we, and this is just my opinion, being a Christian as well, when we help the least person, the Mm -hmm. most disadvantaged person, when we ensure that they are good, mm-hmm. you're, you're always going to be good. Mm-hmm. When we ensure that the, the child who is autistic and black and trans and has a mental, dis- mental uh, disability can get all the services that they need, it's going to be so much easier for the white man to get services who has no issues. exactly and because i think when you build up the one like we are stronger together you know i you know that is a firm model of mine and if we can all thrive it helps everyone thrive and so i I really um uh, agree it goes back to originally what you're saying about those um human rights and i don't think that we should be in a position to say that it's okay to um debate or have a difference of opinion on human rights issues now how we get there i feel like we can debate how we get there we have a difference of opinion on how that might look but to deny someone um the same privileges that um a a dominant or a major group has um i think at least for me um that's where i'm that's and that's where I'm having a problem because I feel like that's what we're doing. I feel like we're saying that not everyone is deserving of um, respect, dignity, um, support, access to care. And I think that's um, what I'm struggling with. Yeah. And I mean, I understand that struggle, right? Because mm-hmm. like you, especially just the work that me and you've done through our, like we've essentially both of us have dedicate our lives to public service why did we do that you know i have no idea like how did that happen and like why there's no money in it (laughs) there's no money and it's a lot of like gray hairs and like time lost where you're girl we're just screaming into the abyss and your boss is like you okay girl and you like you want to tell your boss no but you can't tell them no we're like we're fine i'm not overwhelmed over here (laughs) we're okay with a little like really like meanwhile you're crying into your uh and right. me, I take my tea <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> uh so like you like you see it and it's like really hard you mm. see those things and it's really hard to like watch as you know groups are taken advantage of it's mm-hmm. and, it, and I think personally um it's really hard when you see those groups taking advantage of, like they look exactly like you Mm. or they remind you of your like cousins or Mm. friends or your father or your Mm -hmm. mother or your, in my case, my significant other, which I'm also engaged to a black man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You see those, you see all those issues and you, you, you know, it can really it can really bring you down because mm-hmm. people are people are literally having differences of opinion of whether because these usually are like white conservatives and white liberals. I'm not like saying anything nasty about them, but a lot of the times they will have conversations that revolve around like disadvantaged groups, humanity, like mm-hmm. whether whether or not we should keep children in cages like that conversation was ridiculous to me. Children mm-hmm. cages. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't even put, y'all don't even put y'all pets in cages, girl. If that, let, let me tell you, if if they showed a picture of a whole bunch of dogs, we would have had everybody at the border. Like there would that issue would have been solved like yesterday. Oh yeah, they and have- that is again, thank you. Like that's my issue. Is like how how do we do that? How how is it okay for it? First of all, let let's do this back up to the money issue, right? 
it's going to cost you more money to separate an infant from its mother. Where if you kept, because now you got to do formula. Now you have to pay someone to make sure you're doing the diaper. Where if you would have just kept that infant with the mother, she got a milk supply right there, right? Because she's going to be breastfeeding. She's going to make sure that her child is not crying. Like it would have been better for you to keep that family together while you sort it out, whatever you needed to sort out. So I don't understand why we're, we're separating. And I don't understand why we're having a difference on opinion on that. I, I mean, we already, we already understand like attachment. Yes. And like how, how attachment works and like how those things function and like mm-hmm. how um, children with a nervous attachment mm-hmm. or avoidant attachment like mm-hmm. they don't grow up to be great adults. Like no, they grow up to be they grow up to be like horrible for society. They literally grow up and are terrors. Like the people who have those attachment theories, they mm-hmm. end up terrorizing other people. Like we <laughs> all know that there's psychological studies about it. Like mm-hmm. we like dealt with it. There's even like um, mental health diagnoses for mm-hmm. like, children who've been in a um, orphanages where they literally not have attachment and they have like all sorts of like outburst issues and so we already know this this is not like you know some foreign Mm. concept and my whole thing is you realize you're gonna have a generation of children of latinx children who literally have so many attachment issues yes and those children they're so harder to adopt they're so harder to have um even when they are adopted it's so hard for those families to keep them because you know sometimes they get adopted and those families will give them up after a few years even if you reunify them back with their family like that there's so much trauma there that this family is now broken generationally and I'm so glad talking to you because you're helping me process um, a lot of my thoughts because again like I had so many questions based on things that I saw and so many thoughts and it was hard to kind of formulate it, but you're exactly right. You know, doing um, and the work that we do and being involved with people and understanding the facts, the facts show that it is harmful what we're doing. And so if the facts show that it's harmful, why are we debating it? I think that is where I am. And it's just like, is, and it's like, is this a difference of opinion? How could it be a difference of opinion when the facts show that we're setting up um, not only these people, but us as a country for failure, because mm-hmm. you are creating a generation that, let's call it what it is, is going to have a fear of Americans um, because we are the cause of their, their trauma. Yeah. I mean, really at the root, the reason why groups can have difference of opinion is because of their privileges. That's just, it's just It's just purely because of your privileges, because... Um, you debating whether black people have humanity doesn't affect your family because all your family is white all your family or or i would like to say they have white uh privileges without being white because let's be honest there's tons of groups in this country that they used to not be white the irish weren't white the Italians That's right. weren't they white they were isolated yeah the portuguese weren't white but when they came to America and then they assimilated, they got white passing privileges. So there's groups in the United States that really have white passing privileges. So they have the ability to debate these topics. And because of the privilege they sit in, they get to debate them, but don't have to face the realities of them. So, you know, for me and you, we're Black we have family members that are black men. When we talk when we talk about whether police should be shooting black men, it's obvious to us, no, they should not. That's my brother. That's my father. That's my significant other. That's my son. That's my nephew. That's whoever, right? Mm-hmm. To us, it's very obvious because we have those people in our lives. Mm. But to them, it's a debate of whether stop and frisk can ha- should happen. It's a debate. Whether- it doesn't, you said a word right there. And I think that's exactly it. When you are in a position where you have the privilege to debate something, um, it usually means that you are in a, p- a position of being safe enough to be able to debate and stand on your side. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and so, yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, that's helpful. <laughs> that could be a whole nother, that's a whole nother issue, like, and a problem in and of itself that, like, I really do think, and I've been listening to so many really smart, really amazing women on Twitter, on Instagram, um, who have talked about these topics. I would give you a list, but the list is long. So I'll girl, you, you girl, you text that to me. <laughs> <laughs> the list is long. So I always tell people if they want to start with some people who are like, I want to say like at the forefront of these issues, mm-hmm. um, you can, uh, Look at Brittany Packnett Cunningham, Feminista Jones, and the goddess herself, Angela Davis. And you can read about what they've done, their work. Listen to Brittany Packnett Cunningham on MSNBC. Feminista Jones has tons of things on her Instagram um, to watch. She has all these things for you to watch and listen to and to talk about um, the diaspora Mm-hmm. And, you know, just Angela Davis, because she's the GOAT, Dr. Angela <laughs> Davis has been doing this work since the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for, mm-hmm. like, like, when Gloria Steinem was trying to figure out what to do, she looked to, to Angela Davis. Like, people always be like, feminist thought. Mm-hmm. Gloria Steinem got it from Angela, right? Mm-hmm. Like, th- those are the things that people, like, should look to when you're talking about, like, prison abolition um, and those those are the black women I look to who always give me really good thoughts and like push have pushed me closer to the edge of my thoughts because I'm extremely liberal. I was not like that growing up. (laughs) 12 year old Alexis was not about this life. She was not about this life. Is it bad to be liberal? I have stated my opinion. I can't listen. I've gotten to so many I'll call them discussions online. And someone said, well, you would believe that you're a liberal. And I'm like, is that a bad thing? Like, is that an insult? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> they want to insult you. They really want to insult you so bad. <laughs> oh, you're, you're a liberal. Okay, I believe people should have food, water, housing, and not be put in jail because they're homeless. Thank you. Like, it's just yeah, basic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> be basic stuff like they'd be like how how dare you believe that homeless people should have homes do you know how many empty homes that we have in america pat because of the 2008 housing crisis like but it's, you, i think it goes back to what you said like it's like have you ever slept outside like do like have you ever slept in the car like go sleep out in the car okay it is not comfy yeah you need if you have slept in the car especially for a long period of time like we need to get you we need to help you out okay you know what I mean like it's uncomfortable like have you ever been uncomfortable in your life and you've been like lord just help me not to be uncomfortable like yeah everybody needs some help time to time you remember when we slept in that car when we was in Massachusetts oh my god so Coffee and Convo listeners, listen, I thought I was being all grown, 18 years old. Me and Alexis went to, where, where did we go? Was it? Um, Waltham, Massachusetts. Girl. And I said, like, okay, we're going to get a hotel and stay in the hotel. And they're like, no, you have to be 21 before you, you can <laughs> book a hotel. Girl. So we, listen, so we had to sleep in the car. It was not comfortable. No, so imagine so- doing that for a long period of time. Like, give people a home. Help them out. Yeah, yeah. That one night was like never again. And that was one night. <laughs> <laughs> and me and you were like, never, never Good again. times. <laughs> never again. Now, I will say that since then, I've slept on, slept in bus stations, slept in plane stations, slept on planes, slept in on a bus, mm-hmm. on a train. None of these things are fun times. I want no. to say, I always appreciate it when I got back to my home with my bed. Girl, I paid rent. Preach on it. Listen, it's a privilege to be able to pay your rent and pay your rent on time. Okay? So Ooh. I'm thankful for that. So listen, if you can't, listen, help people out, okay? And that way, when they are able to do it on their own, they can help somebody else out. You know, pay it forward. Exactly. Exactly. And there's tons of ways to do that, too. Like, a lot of people in this time, to just say this, like, really quickly, they feel, like, hopeless. Mm -hmm. And they feel like, okay, I'm a disabled person. Or in my position, I my job has essentially told us, like, 
they really don't want us to protest or they don't want us to go out there in those things. And I, and I understand that because of the type of job I have and mm-hmm. the offices that we're supposed to be representing and the people we're supposed to be representing, mm-hmm. it causes, it can be sometimes problematic, mm-hmm. but there are ways to help people who are disenfranchised mm-hmm. that don't always involve, um, you know, protesting. Mm-hmm. You can give a person money. There's, Tons of groups that are like requesting money, tons of different groups that are doing that. Um, you can pay it forward by just being there for a black person, mm-hmm. being being a place that they can come vent and not be judged. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you are a black person, the way to support a black person is going to get that black person's hair and nails done because the black person is you. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Y'all can cash at me to get my hair done any day, get some hair products, okay? Be an ally to me. But on a serious note, I do, I'm very grateful for the allies out there. I've seen some very um, powerful posts that people have shared um, that are not Black and they are just allies. And I really appreciate that because, again, as we're talking about a difference of opinion, sometimes the opinions I have seen have been um, hurtful and sometimes triggering. And um, seeing people say, you know what, I stand with you um, because I see your pain. I stand with you because you are human. Um, I stand with you. It has been comforting. So on a serious note, I am thankful for um, every ally that has shown um, that they are an ally because it is an action word. And like Alexis has, um, you have said, um, it doesn't mean that you're protesting. It could just be being a friend. It could just be, you know, when someone says something that's shady, being like, hey, you know, that's a little bit racist, what you said, you know, or it's a little unsensitive. And mm-hmm. why? Um, so I'm glad you brought that point up as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, they think that like, and I hate to say it in this way, but they really do believe that like going out to a protest means that they're an ally mm-hmm. and going out to a protest means you went to a protest. That's what it means. Mm. That's literally what it means because being an ally means doing the work to unlearn mm. racist and uh, systemic things that you've done. Mm. Like, and that's what it means because a lot of people believe that if they go to a protest, and they bl- and they buy a Black Lives Matter T-shirt that they've suddenly become an ally to Black mm-hmm. people, but that Black woman who you are the supervisor of, you treat her like trash. Mm. And the Black boy who goes to school with your son, you don't say hello to him, and you say hello to all the other kids. And the and the Black cashier. You don't speak a word to her, but you only speak a word, excuse me, the black bagger. You only speak to the white cashier and you won't speak to the black bagger. It's little stuff like that. Microaggressions that black people face every single day that lets us know the good people from the bad people. Because sometimes racism is not overt. Like not everyone is going to call me the N word. Not Mm -hmm. everyone is going to do that. That's real. That's real. That's real. You know, it's stuff like that. And I know me and you have been in those situations where, you know, we're with our friend because me and you have friend groups that are multicultural, Mm -hmm. brown, um, Latinx, Mm -hmm. uh, just different people. Not all of our friends look like us and we'll go out with them and the waitress will treat our friend who is next to us with so much care and then don't speak and won't speak to us at all. And then walk me give you a tip. It's like, girl, bye. You ain't getting no tip other than next time be kind to everyone at the table. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) My tip for you is if you want to get money, you have to be kind. That's my tip. Girl, bottom line, you want them dollars? Listen. (laughs) And so it's like little stuff like that. And I think white people like when we talk about like you're saying difference of opinion mm-hmm. sometimes they don't understand the nuances like mm. it, it's it's those little things that really matter to black people like i don't want to have to wake up in the morning and the safest place is literally inside my home 
Like, that's the safest place for me, but I wish it wasn't. I, I really wish it wasn't the safest place. I really wish I could walk through the world and the whole world was safe for me. And um, I think we're even seeing that even that is not no longer safe. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's, but girl, that's a whole nother topic and we will not get into that this time. <laughs> but I definitely need to have you come back again, Alexis. This has been um, helpful. Um, again, these convos or these next um, couple conversations or these next this next season um, are not only to help me process my questions that I've had, but hopefully to shed some light on to the conversations that people, not just Black people, but just people in this world are having regarding race and some of the things that are coming up. Um, so thank you so much for, for highlighting all of what you did. Well, thank you for having me. And also, you know, like, I just want to say that the work that you're doing, besides Coffee and Convos, just the work that you're doing, because maybe all your listeners are like, oh, Liz, this is, you know, her work. No, she does more <laughs> stuff than this. On the work that you've been doing is just really important. Thank you. I know it's thankless. And just keep going. And I will say, like, the fact that you're trying to really be an advocate for the people in Waterbury, not just the black people, all the people mm -hmm. in Waterbury, because like there are disadvantaged people of every color, race, creed there. Absolutely. It's important. And, and Alexis, not to cut you off, is from Waterbury. So listen, y'all. She she know the real real and how it is here. Oh yeah. I've lived I lived in Waterbury and I lived in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And so Waterbury and Bridgeport I mean, there's so many issues there of the haves and have-nots in both of those places. And I will say that, Liz, you are definitely working for the have-nots, even when you have. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you. So that brings, me to the, that brings me to the next segment, which is what is in your cup. So in this segment, um, it's three things that you're putting in your cup to get, me, get you through the day. And for me... I'm going to put in that encouragement because I definitely needed it. I'm going to put in compassion um, because I need to stop coming for all these people on Facebook every time they say something that's remotely racist because that is not the Christian thing to do. So Lord help me. <laughs> and then I'm going to put in laughter because I think that is the best medicine. So um, compassion, encouragement, and laughter is what I'm going to put in my cup to get me through my day. Um, what about you, Lexus? So, what am I going to put in my cup? So, today I have the day off. So, Ooh, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's just for those, those people's um, Independence Day because my independence didn't come until June 19th. Uh, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that's all that is. It's just, it's just July 3rd. It's nothing happening. Trust me. <laughs> I've already been doing work today. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> um, but what I'm going to put in my cup today is a little bit of love, like self-love, caring for myself. Um, um, a little bit of grace, um, just for people, because everyone is learning. I think a lot of people, like, forget that, like, you didn't blossom into this beautiful self-aware flower overnight, so to give mm -hmm. other people grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing is, I'm agree with you, some laughter. Laughter mm. is always important to put in your cup and to, like, really make sure that you're full of that so other things don't get you down. Absolutely. And please, this is not the last time that you are going to be on the combos. I'm going to drag you for another. Um, but again, thank you. And thank you for helping me to process some of my own questions. And I hope those of you who are listening, um, you're able to have process some of your questions and your thoughts around when people are saying they have a difference of opinion around different things. And um, again, find Coffee and Combos on Instagram and Facebook. And Alexis, take care, be safe and be well out there. Okay, you too. Thank you. Thank you.